You're listening to New House Knows, where homeowners go when they need to know. Uh, hello, listeners, and welcome to our show, our first show of New House Knows, where homeowners go when they need to know. I'm your host, Rob Platt, a.k.a. Professor Newhouse, and I'm here with my co-host and partner in crime, Aaron Michelle, a.k.a. Ralph, and our dear friend, advisor, uh, and I don't know what else we'd call him. Adult supervision. Uh, adult supervision, <laughs> that's true. John Benefield. And why we're doing our show is effectively, you have a house and you want to do things to it, and most people just don't know where to start. Think that's a fair assessment, John? Very fair assessment. And so... Aaron and I are on the design side, John is on the construction side, and we effectively want to try and navigate a moonscape that is scaring the hell out of a lot of people. We're all looking at interest rates that have been up and down, we're looking at the complexities of construction, we're wondering where to start, do we hire a builder first, do we hire a designer, where do we go from here? What's it going to cost? Yeah, what's it going to cost? Can I live through it? Will my marriage survive? Yeah, yeah. Will yeah. my children hate me? Uh, yeah. Will my neighbors hate me? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Will I hate me? <laughs> it's tough. It's a hard place to go. It's it's a very complex industry. So we want to take the mystery out of it and kind of help you get there. Now, frankly, the industry is in a place that it's never been before. It was very stable for a very long time. Everybody's roles were pretty well defined, wouldn't you say, John? Yes. You know, we had designers, the people that put together the project, and we have builders that built the project, and we had finance people that financed the project, banks. Everybody knew what their role was, and things were pretty black and white. Now things are very paisley. Well, let's talk about advertising. That's, that's kind of interesting. We've got our producer, Zach, here, and I'm going to bring Zach in. This ought to really embarrass him. You can't see him turn red on mic, which is great. <laughs> but no, truth being, we've got we've got a marketing world right now where the mission is to keep your attention for 15 friggin' seconds. Honest to God, how are you supposed to market in that world? Do you get anything out of the internet in 15 seconds? Uh, headaches. <laughs> <laughs> headaches, depression, anxiety. Yeah, depression, uh, anxiety. Anything that, uh, it, that's for my therapist. But, for the most part, those are the but, but it's very but, true. But you know what, you said it right there. Most of the people that come to us, by the time they get to us, they've got anxiety and overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Because they have gotten a fire hose of information and no real answers. And we really want to talk about that fire hose of information. That is, that's the scariest thing. You know, there, there was a time when getting information took a lot of personal involvement. You had to kind of dig into things. Uh, the media was more cumbersome. But you had to work so hard to get it, you retained it. Uh, and I keep saying back in the day, because in case you don't know, you can't see me. This is a podcast, right? He's old. I'm old. Yes, I'm old. Uh, I've been doing this for a very long time. And back in the day, we advertised in magazines and newspapers and Yellow Pages, if anybody even knows what a Yellow Page is. But people knew where to go to look for designers. They had to be very focused and they had to find the information. That isn't true anymore. Now we've got the internet. And the internet has opened up what I call the Wild West. Uh, and God knows, Aaron, we have... Uh, We've experienced the Wild West now for the last few years, just trying to figure out how to navigate marketing ourselves. Oh, hell, just me trying to bring you into this century kicking and screaming when I came on with you eight years ago to create a website. I stopped? Kicking and screaming. Uh, no, you have not. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you have not. But just, I mean, yeah, no. When Because when I first came on with you, you, you were still getting all of your business through word of mouth. 
And I had to explain to you that people don't trust a business that doesn't have a website anymore. Like, yeah. it's, you're not considered legitimate if you don't have a website. And so I had to force you to actually <laughs> document all of the work you've done because you wouldn't even take photos of your project. Well, yeah. You had nothing. And, and just... Just trying to find somebody legitimate that would help us build a website was a nightmare. That's true. It was a nightmare. But the problem is, is and John, you know, I mean, when we go looking for things, uh, it's kind of fantastic when you look for stuff for a project that we've designed and you're getting ready to build and you're resourcing, you know, where to get certain things. Man, you can pull up a thousand things in a fraction of a second. Absolutely. It's a fire hose. The problem is, how do you differentiate between garbage and what you need, the what, truth, the yeah, reality. What's good marketing yeah, what's good. and what's actually a good product or a so, good service? What the internet has done is it's changed the dynamic. It used to be that the designer was, for all intents, the coach. We originated the project, we created the design, the design was put out to builders, builders competed for the project, and the most qualified builder would get the project based on their value, their their ability to produce the project at a fair price. And it wasn't always the lowest price. It was the best project, best person for the project. And that was great. Now, with the internet, uh, you know, forgive me, I call it polishing a turd. We can take the internet, and if you have a flashy website, and unfortunately, in, in uh, this state, and, you know, forgive me, I'm going to piss some people off, but if you got a pickup truck and a business card, you can call yourself a builder. And people don't know the difference. And conversely, you know, to call our own industry out, if you've got some really beautiful renderings oh, and yeah. a nice website, you can call yourself a designer. Yeah, we've got some people that can crank out some pretty pictures. But do they produce the kind of documents, John, that you need? No. Or can no, they build something detail. can they build something or design something that's actually buildable that doesn't require sky hooks? Yeah. Do, do they actually have a structure in it that you know, keeps gravity from making it implode. <laughs> so people, you know, people don't know where to start and they have they have been re-educated over time to go to the internet and the first thing they look for is a builder. Now, when people find you that way, and praise God, I love you like a brother, uh, you look at them and say, dude, <laughs> you need a designer. Absolutely, I say it. I say it every time. Yeah. Because they're going to say, hey, this is what I want to do. And they have a sketch of their own, which yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. But it doesn't have all the detail. Are we doing this out of two by four structure? Are we doing two by six? What are we doing? You know, what type door do you like? What type windows do you want? There's all kinds of different things that play into this. And I don't want to get off on a tangent, but now they got software that just about anybody can use to drop a cute little floor plan. Yep. And they'll bring you that stuff like it is. You permit this. <laughs> but, but my favorite thing about that is that <clears throat> half the time, it doesn't meet code or like human dynamics. Like they'll they'll have a bathroom that a toddler could use, but not a full grown human. Yeah. Or they'll or how have, much room a stair takes. Yeah, up. they'll have a stairwell that if you turn sideways, you could inch your way up. Or if you took really big steps, you could get up. It's just like, that's and, not... And, and, you know, the idea is not to hurt these people's feelings. No, it's, it's not. It's good that people are exploring their ideas and they're trying to convey something to you. But they have to understand that this is this is the infancy of the idea that's in their head. Yeah. That it's way more complex. And so, and we've known for years, in the average house, there's about 4,000 components on, on the bottom end. 
uh, some say 5,000, four and 5,000 components. That's a lot of stuff. And they're very complicated buildings and we're dealing with codes and, and let's talk about code for a minute. Uh, code is a euphemism for minimum. Yes. Minimum, code means minimum. Everybody says that code is bad. No, code is good. Code is very good. Code is protection. Code is saying these are the minimum standards to produce a safe product for you. And these builders have to be held to these standards. That's very complicated because there's codes for everything. There's codes for how much headroom to go up a, a stair, how much knee space you need on the toilet, which frankly is kind of a big deal for some of us. Uh, you know, there's just everything in there. Windows, efficiency, door widths. Um, we talk about ADA code, you know, people in wheelchairs. Um, this, is, this is all critical stuff that's very complex that somebody needs to specialize in. So kind of focusing back on the point, when people go to the internet and they go to a builder first, very frequently the builders, what they've managed to do is create a marketing program mm -hmm. and they call themselves design builders, which in fact they're not. They are not design builders, they're builders. And they're saying that you're, they're a one-stop shop. That's the idea. They're trying to sell, you come to us and you've got a one-stop shop and we've got you covered. Which I understand the allure of. Yes. Because it's, it's very overwhelming. The, the whole process of, of endeavoring to do anything to your home is very overwhelming. Yes. So I understand the allure of a one-stop shop. However, if you have an issue with your taxes, do you go to a plumber? Well, no. You go to a tax expert because taxes are complicated. Well, if you're sick, you go to a doctor. If you have a legal problem, you go to a lawyer. Well, if you have a design issue, if you want to do anything to your home, you need to go to a professional designer that stays on top of building codes, construction techniques, and specializes in a particular field. When I say a particular field, new construction, for example, is very different than renovation construction. And builders that are seasoned in this know the difference. Or it's one thing, I'm sorry. I was going to say, or commercial versus residential. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we are, for the sake of this show, focusing predominantly on residential construction, but we're going to talk, John brought up some points earlier in the conversation we had, which we'll cover later, about how commercial affects residential. Yes. yes. It's all, it all ties together. It's all one big industry. Now let's talk a little bit about where we are right now and how we got here. And John, we were talking earlier, we'll go back to 08, the great, you know, the great, uh, recession. great recession. Uh, and the great recession did some pretty impressive things. Um, I like to say it thinned the herd. <laughs> Greatly. Greatly. I mean, it, it got me into retail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you, if you've been in architecture for any length of time, you spend time in retail at some point or another, uh, because you know, this, this industry is, is up and down and I won't say what it's like. My brain just filled it in for I you, know you and did. it was I knew. We're I trying to keep to it as clean it. as we can. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, Your daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, well, I, nothing I can say. You're an adult now. No, truth be known, during the Great Recession, property values exploded. First they plummeted, then hedge funds came in and bought up huge swaths of houses property values rocketed through the roof predominantly. And I didn't say it had, didn't happen nationwide, but it was heavily impacted. Chicago is a, is a, is a municipality, a, a 
you know, metro area that was heavily impacted, and Atlanta was just godsmacked. And property values rocketed through the roof. Something interesting about that and why this matters is because up until that point, renovating your home or doing a major addition or something like that was not the most desirable solution. It was expensive, and the cost of building a new home or selling your home and moving was generally economically a better move. Mm -hmm. You could make a lateral move, you could move up, and, and it worked out very well. But now property values rocketed through the roof, they're extremely high, lateral moves are not so good. There are no lateral moves. No, if anything, I think we're going the opposite direction. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, we're going the wrong way. Yeah, we're, well, we're getting to a place where I can make a killing when I sell. I can't, but no I can't even buy, yeah. I might not be able to buy what I just sold. That's right. You, you, you might actually have to step down. The solution is, geographically, I may have to move 20 miles outside of the metro to get more house for the same value. Yes. It's a huge problem. That followed 08, so suddenly renovation became a huge deal. Uh, it was interesting. We were in an awkward place because I had changed this whole practice over to uh, renovation design. I love that he 96. talks in the royal we because we've been working together for so long. When you, no, no, at this point when you're making these decisions, you're in college there was or no. Something. I was no, not. No, you weren't. I was twelve. Were you twelve? There was no royal we in '96. You made oh, these decisions. Oh, that's true. Actually, I was letting you on job sites, though. That's true. I was passing out on them from heat exhaustion. That's true. That's true. She actually, yeah, she, she gave her, her, her pint of blood for this thing. But still, she kind of grew up in the biz. Royal I was, I was I was hard and fast trying to rebel and work for other people. Hey, this is time. a father's love. I see, I see you as timeless, okay? At any rate, at, at any rate, uh, and now I lost my train of thought. Way to go. Uh, That's my job. Well, that is your job. <laughs> Suddenly, banks didn't have products to deal with renovation. It was a real problem. You know, I've got a mortgage on the house, and I want to expand the house, and I need to get a new loan. And banks were scampering for almost a year, actually a little over a year. Mm -hmm. uh, banks were scampering to rewrite products that would deal with homeowners that needed to do major expansions to their home. We also had a situation where a lot of people were displaced, a lot of people lost their homes, and we saw a whole new, uh, this, you know, like I said, following 08, I saw this incredible surge of things we hadn't seen before. Um, mom and dad are retired. They've got a lot of house. Now all of a sudden their equity in the house has just gone to poop. Uh, it was greatly tired to their, their retirement and their retirement portfolio went to poop. Uh, so they're empty nesters. They've got this house that is expensive. It's more than they need. They've got, they've, they've got to do something. So families are going, Hey, what would happen if we renovated the house, expanded it, created an in-law suite, mom and dad move into the in-law suite and the kids move back into the home they grew up in with their children. And we can watch the grandkids grow up and we've got a bigger house and a bigger value and something that's more tied to the nuclear family. And that was a very impressive shift in the dynamic. It was pretty cool. Just the opposite. We had kids that were doing pretty good, had good stable jobs. Mom and dad were upside down now, lost all their equity. They don't want to, you know, move into a, an apartment. So, but they've got a retirement and they look at the kids and they say, what would happen if we invested in your home 
and added on an in-law suite, you know, living room, master bedroom, and a little kitchenette so that we can be nearby and we can watch the kids grow up. And so we did a lot of consolidation construction, which was really exciting and it was a lot of fun. It was, it was quite beautiful to watch. That being said, then we fast forward to COVID. We kind of bumped along fat, numb, and happy, and we're pulling all this stuff together and doing all these neat projects and watching you shift in the dynamic. And COVID hits, and up until COVID, we had a grip on what was going on. We knew what the basic cost per square foot was going to be. Uh, you and I have talked about this before COVID. Yeah, it was yeah, it was pretty straightforward. Yeah, there was and, a certain and, level of predictability. Yeah, there was yeah. a level of predictability yeah. in the Atlanta area. I think we were talking back then, 135 bucks a square foot-ish. Yeah. Before yes. what we call fit and finish, that's upgrades, things that you may want that are above the average, uh, which was pretty cool. COVID hits, everything goes to poop. We can't really discuss in detail with the time we have left today how much went to poop, but everything did. We lost, before COVID, it is estimated we had uh, a shortage of about 1 million skilled laborers in the workforce, so that was a problem. Now, post-COVID, it is over 2 million, we believe. A lot of contractors just couldn't survive and died. Uh, their businesses collapsed and went out. Uh, and here we sit. Supply chains went crazy. Then interest rates went up. Then we were suffering with inflation. It was a nightmare. And, and we won't talk about how things went up and down other than to say that before COVID, for example, lumber, uh, we measure everything in board feet. It was about $400 per thousand board feet. At the height of COVID, it was $1,500 per thousand board feet. Well, surprise, it's back to about $420 per thousand board feet. And that's where we're going to leave you today. Uh, Post-COVID, wholesale cost of materials have fallen back down, but retail, not so much. Yeah, that was my next comment. You said back to 400 you know, for board feet. The prices don't reflect that. Though. No. So retail somebody's is lying. Not. So somebody's <laughs> lying, and uh, and that's where we want to go. We've we've said all of these things, which are important things to just lay the history of it. But the root of the matter is the the wire we hear is to help you navigate this new landscape yes. to learn ways to keep control, to make decisions that are best for your family. How do you how do you start the process? How do you vet people? How do you make the best decisions? How do you not go to Google and get the overwhelm and the anxiety? How, how do you get the answers and not lose your mind? Precisely. Because it's a moonscape out there. It's, it's pretty harsh right now. But there's a way through it, and there's good people out there. And, you know, the upside, there's lots of good people out there. We're going to show you how to recognize them, how to find them, and what to do when you get there. So until next time, thank you for listening, and... We hope you enjoy our first uh, podcast. Before we actually go, my question is, are we going to keep saying poop or can we say crap? <laughs> I, can, I can drop some of that.